Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Today on Biblical Higher Ed Talk, I sit down with Dave Metters, Executive Vice President at ABHE, to discuss the core ethos of biblical higher education. What is it that has stayed central from the beginnings of our movement and what potentially challenges that core as we lead forward. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education. And we are honored to have with us this week as our guest, Dave Metters. Dave is my colleague at ABHE, serving as the executive vice president and he has a lifetime of ministry experience uh, serving in the church context uh, as well as biblical higher education. Prior to joining ABHE, Dave was the president at Kingswood University in Sussex, New Brunswick, which, uh, as he describes it, for 19 winters as opposed to 19 years. But I've invited Dave to talk about the ethos, the core of biblical higher education. So, Dave, welcome and thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be with you. So to kick off our conversation, before we actually jump into questions related to the ethos of biblical higher education, as you reflect back over what are now several decades, I could be rude and say half century or or something like that, but we'll keep it to decades. (laughs) Uh, As you reflect back over your leadership experiences, share with us one defining moment in either your personal or your professional life. Thanks, Philip. And I'll immediately give the date. My dad was a pastor in near Montgomery, Alabama. It was in 1967. I was a junior in high school. So a little better than 50 years. Yes, half a century. I was at a camp meeting and terribly convicted in my uh, junior year of high school. And I went to the altar and it was a profound time for me making a decision of who I was going to live for. And I had ideas and dreams, but that night I sold out to God to follow him with all of my heart that I should live for Christ, as Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 5. I should live for him and not for myself. And I want to add one other point. So internally, that was the defining moment. The other external defining moment was in 1970, a few years later, when I went to Urbana, and that's when I saw the emerging church, if you will, of 18,000 collegians committed to world evangelization, the new book by David Howard, the leader of the conference that year, Student Power and World Evangelization. It was the first time I saw a vision of what God did with students during that period of their life, the beginning of the student volunteer movement and the modern missionary movement. I didn't realize what a paradigm shifting a uh, landmark time that was for me, but those two are the defining moments for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you actually had a chance to go back later at that site where you know you experienced that that calling to to serve Christ. T- tell us a little bit about that. Well, and I'm showing my age with my sister. I went back. It was a sawdust camp meeting, like you read about, 
and the slap benches and I went, it's so burned in my mind. I went back to the altar, obviously no one's around, but I went back to the altar and knelt and how God's grace flowing through my dad's life and other people of faith. It's all the difference. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And you and I have had the privilege to the folks who are listening in. Many of you know Dave and have been around him since he's been a bit of a fixture with ABHE. And he and I have had the opportunity to travel along quite a bit and have conversations, you know, around that calling and how God used that and truly a, a foundational moment for you that that defined the trajectory of of your life moving forward. So as you as you look back then, so so God very much crystallizes this calling that it's it's about Christ, then you're gonna serve Christ with your professional life. You served in the church, you've served in higher education, you've served you've served at ABHE. What's the thing that's kept you motivated through all of those different ministry contexts? I think the best expression it's a great question, Philip. And a great question for all of us of what is that wellspring? I think Paul nails it in the same context that we're convinced that one died for all. Thus, all have died enough that we should live for him and not for ourselves. Right before that, I think in verse six, he says, for the love of Christ compels us. And then he goes on to say, and we are ambassadors for Christ. As if Christ himself, God himself, were making his appeal through us. The repetitive, and whether it was in pastoral ministry, as a youth pastor, a church planter, in evangelism, at the Bible college, at ABHE, I don't know how many times, often going back, is it's about Christ. It's about what he's doing in the world, and that's the wellspring of motivation, fundamentally. And when God blesses with a lot of energy, you can assume that. But everything, the challenge of every job, every opportunity can wear you out. Where you go back is to the river from which it all flows. And that's Christ himself and his atonement, his living word now. Yep, that's it. Yeah, great, great. So let's start digging into the, the topic for our show, uh, kind of kind of the ethos, what you see as the core, because you've spent... Uh, 19 winters, plus some additional years at, at ABHE. You've you've been around ABHE for quite some time and, and biblical higher education. I also know that you're a bit of a historian too. In our conversations, we've reflected back over, you know, even the beginnings, the humble beginnings of, of biblical higher education and, and ABHE in itself. You look at the Bible college, the modern Bible college movement, in the U.S. over 120 years, but it really dates back even before that with medieval Europe. But as you think about where we are today, where biblical higher education is today, what are the things that have defined us, the top three things that, that you would say has been the common thread all the way through biblical higher education? Great question again. And to frame this, I would go back to the words of Christ when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them etc., that the roots go back to fulfill the great commission of Christ and his desire about making disciples. Obviously, it includes evangelism, and somebody's not a disciple until they've been born again. But after that, it's like being parents. It's one thing to bring a child into the world. It's another thing to raise them. And so I think the roots go back to the very nature of the church that has a responsibility to introduce Christ and then to help believers mature, or as Paul writes, 
that he's in the pains of childbirth until Christ is fully formed into the people at Galatia. I think the core values that I've seen it. So starting in 1990, when I went to Kingswood, I did not go through a Bible college in undergraduate. I was a psych major, then in undergraduate, then seminary. So when I was tapped about, would you consider going to this thing called then Bethany Bible College? I was on a serious learning curve of what is this thing called a Bible college? And when I went there, I was astonished, frankly, and it wasn't me, but in chapel service, I saw students with such a hunger that no exaggeration, some were sitting on the edge of their seat looking for God to work in their life. And I said to myself, I don't know entirely what this is I'm getting myself into. I feel like this is where God is calling me, but God is up to something here. And so just out of the second great awakening where there were stirrings of God's spirit and new things came into being, what happened when Dr. Simpson planted the first Bible college in North America became NIAC. It's the results of the moving of the spirit of God. But there were three things that I studied this. And as I listened to alumni of our own institutions, and now for 33 years have been involved in biblical higher education, there's three things that stand out for me that are, if you will, our ethos. What you would expect to sense if you go in any of our institutions. And the first, maybe foremost, but I'm not trying to rank these in priority. But the first is that it's a confidence in the authority of God's word that we believe is not just a suggestion, but that the word of God, as it's understood historically by the church, both in faith and practice, is the core of who we are and all of our curriculum is grounded in the word of God. It's not just a moniker. We are biblical, our education. The second part of that, and I was impressed, and this was in contrast to some people's attitudes, I thought, across the church. But the Bible college movement has produced people with a high level of competency in ministry. And what's happened in the last 30 years, as I've observed this, is that competency, professional competency, is not just for credential ministry, but for people who know Christ and want to serve him in whatever vocation their calling leads them to. So I would say professional competency of getting the job done. I was impressed. before I even went to visit the Bible college, the graduates I knew were known as people with a high work ethic who loved to preach the word of God. They loved people. They loved to lead people to Christ. There's a competency in ministry. But the third, and you can see how this is, is progressing, is about a personal relationship with Christ and transformation. And I could tell you so many stories, and it's humbling, Uh It's our aspiration, but it's way past our grasp is that we are dependent upon the transforming work of God's Holy Spirit. But we know from his word, that's that's what he wants to do. And that's what we've experienced. And so our institution, our ethos is that we set the stage for this, but we trust God to transform students into servants who are going to make a difference in the world. You put those three together, confidence in the authority of the word of God, professional competency of knowing how to get the job done, whatever calling God has led us to, all of that based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that has resulted in transformation. I am not the same person I was when I came in all kinds of ways. I reflect the character of Christ. I would say that's our ethos. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world. 
is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish, leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah. You, you've done a great job of consolidating it down to, to, to three very, very specific areas. And I, you know, again, stories that I've heard from you, I know that a lot of the highlights of your ministry, of your presidency at, at Kingswood, even uh, as you've engaged leaders within ABHE, is when you see those graduates walk across the stage, when you see them, when they came in as freshman students, then the raw material that they were and you're able to see the life transformation that happened because of the authority of the Word of God in their life, because of the practical experiences that they have, because they have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, to then see them be launched out in ministry. There's nothing more rewarding than being able to play a part in that process. I remember when we were last fall, you and I traveled to all of our Canadian member institutions, and we happened to, to stop by Kingswood University was our last stop, where you had served as, as president when, when it was Bethany Bible College. And I remember in the chapel service, word had gotten out that Dave Metters was in town, and several alumni just happened to, to make their way over. And I just remember seeing you in the back. I think it was talking to a pastor and just, you know, encouraging him because you remember when he was a student and he was there coming to visit with you and you had an, another opportunity to minister again to him in his context. It's, it's such a rewarding, if I can say, industry for us to be in and to serve in together. It's an incredible role that we have the privilege of being used of Christ in some measure and then cheering people on as they graduate and go out and follow Christ. And you see faithfulness in ministry, very humbling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a role and it's also it's it, it and it's and it's a joy, but there's also a heavy responsibility that comes with that. And I think that's the the stakes for what we do, I think are significantly higher than simply others in in, in higher education because we're we're dealing with, we're wrestling with something that has potential eternal impact in, in people's hearts and minds, not only for the recipient, but those that they will minister to. So the, the work that we do is very important. This is spiritual warfare. The enemy is not happy when somebody says, I'm sold out to God. I will go anywhere, do whatever God calls me to, life of sacrifice, I'm all in. That's serious stakes. So along those lines, and I'm not necessarily saying it's tied to, to spiritual warfare per se, maybe some of it is. Jim Collins, who we're all familiar with in his book, Good to Great, he says that the the enemy of great is good, or the opposite of great is good. And there are lots of good things that come our way. I also served in the context of biblical higher education, and there was never lack of opportunity to do things. I even know, as we've been working together now at ABHE going on the fourth year, there's all kinds of things that we could do. And sometimes we so, so we can get busy in the good things to do. So as you've observed, what are some of those good things that you've seen in biblical higher education that perhaps erodes or starts to detract from that core ethos that you described? 
Now you want to take men in into the arena of personal conviction. And all of us, as we look back over a journey, we see times either where we got close or we let our eye get off the ball and got fascinated by some more recent trinket or whatever. As I look back over this, I've thought about it. I call it the curse of the penultimate. It's not where the accent is. It's the one right before that. And I think there's a number. I'm going to just select a few very rapidly. Some are going to be apparent. And I'm with you I don't think these are all necessarily every time spiritual warfare. It can just be neglect or default or the tyranny of the urgent or whatever. But one is we're biblical higher education. We study the word. But if the study of the word doesn't lead us to know Christ, that's a problem. That's what the word, that's what Christ says the word is about. So a study of the revelation is not just making A's or A pluses on all of our Bible classes. But it's whether or not they lead us to a full understanding of who Christ is, and it's reflected in the depth and balance of our life. So that's one. And I would call this, it's the graduation rate versus the relationship rate. When Christ warns in the great sermon, there'll be many in that day that say, I cast out demons, I did signs and wonders, I prophesied, and he says, I never knew you. If that was true of any of our 67,000 students, when it comes to the final test, evaluation that they graduated, but they didn't have a relationship. That's a penultimate curse. A second one is, and I'm going to go to, to Romans in this of 12, is the curse of being molded by culture and cultural expectation versus a Christ life like. For instance, is our is a student living on mission with Christ, is it marked primarily by sacrifice and faithfulness and obedience and courage? Or is it marked by career and earnings and success and placement rates? And we have to acknowledge all of those things. They're they're not bad, but they're not enough. It's of greater concern to me whether Christ would see our graduates as faithful as opposed to how much money they make over their lifetime. There's a different measuring stick between Christ and the the world. And Dave, you can see how we slide into that, right? Because because we are, our institutions are tuition revenue dependent. And so the more students that we have that come in, the more opportunity for revenue and being able to operate as an institution. So there can be a tendency to, to focus in on the numbers and, and there are uh, expectations that the students that we bring in are also the students who graduate, right? So retention rates. And even your first point of the transforming work of, of, of the Word of God, we can turn it into a textbook or that it's just simply the study of God without it making any change. So it's nuanced even off of the ethos, right? It's just like one tick off of everything that may, that is core about us. But you can see where that can that slippery slope can happen in our institutions. It doesn't take a, if you got a long journey, which God gives most of our graduates, if you got a long journey, if you're just off a degree or two, you're going to have a major difference in the final destination. And so this second thing about the expectations, it's, there's two levels of this from my perspective. One is at the institutional level. We have to report retention and placement rates and all of that stuff. And we have conversation with parents and we acknowledge and honor the hope that parents have, I'm one of those 
with two grandkids now in, in college. I hope they do well enough in college that they're going to be paid a reasonable amount that I don't have to support them for the rest of my life. So a decent salary and all of that stuff. What I'm saying is that at the institutional level, there's expectations and we can get so focused on that that we fail to focus on a higher calling. And then at the individual student level, we can applaud and affirm and honor culturally shaped graduates more than radical disciples. And that's a nuanced thing. Disciples who are compelled by the love of Christ, who live Christ-like, and that are out of the box in their thinking, that will go maybe where no one else has gone to take the gospel. I long for our movement to be known by radical disciples more than successful graduates, as the world would count success. And that obviously floats back and aggregates up to the institution. But both of those, I think, are serious. So a third one to me is leadership models that focus on success rather than faithfulness. And there's there's a curse in this, in my opinion, is that I know our culture says, and we've been around this, whether you're in the church or in Christian higher education, there are just data points that end up reflecting. So how are you or how is your institution doing? And it's number of students and it's budget and whatever, whatever, mission success. And I lived in that and it's important. But at least for my journey, I would say it can be addictive and it can be an aphrodisiac for idolatry. And so to me, leadership models, the temptation is to exalt institutions, to exalt leadership, I'm tempted, but I want to drill down into that of characteristics of leadership or mission accomplishment and not Christ. And that's a balance. But if this gets out of hand, if we call it like it is, it's idolatry. And it puts us in a bad place before Christ. He's not threatened by it, but he will save us from ourselves and from the idolatry, even of our own success. So To me, if you put those four together, it's the study of the word of God that doesn't lead to Christ. It's institutions and students that are squeezed into the mold of the world, as Paul would write, rather than into the mold of Christ-shaping radical disciples who will follow him. And then leadership models that are a half a tick off. And then exalting institutions, our mission, our leadership, our numbers, this is my budget, these are the number of buildings, look at this beautiful place. Those are dangerous moments. And if we were having a more personal talk, I could tell you, at least for me, heart-rending examples from my own personal journey where God's blessing and abundance in some measure blinded me. It's not about those things. It is about Christ and Christ alone, and the glory needs to flow to him. Which is so hard, Dave, because in order to operate as institutions, you need buildings, facilities, you need donors, you need attractive spaces. And you go out and pitch it. Exactly right. In a compelling way. Yeah. And people, when they see it, that's what they affirm. And like you said, it can be an addictive process, particularly for the position of a president, because the the president is blood, sweat, and tears putting into this thing, right? And the result of the labor is a beautiful building or a, a beautiful whatever. And the, I used to say it like this, Philip, that 
It is true that a president often gets blamed for things he had nothing to do with, and that's appropriate. But a president also gets honored for stuff that's way past his pay grade, and he can believe the press reports, and that's when it becomes dangerous. He needs to learn the art of deflection. Only God gives the increase. We plow, we sow, but God blesses, and we give the glory back to him. We, we steward the work, right? Absolutely. So you've been around higher education for a number of years now, as you, at this point in your life, look forward and say, okay, what, what does, how would you envision the next 20 years of biblical higher education? Are we still around? Is ABHE still around? Are Bible institutes and Bible colleges and Christian colleges still around? Great question. And uh, I'd love to lean into this and I'm more optimistic maybe than I should be but I've got reasons for it. And this is my story and I'm sticking with it. One is that I believe with all of my heart that Christ still passionately wants to see every person come to know him and he's going to honor and build the part of the church that is reproducing disciples. That's the basis of everything else I'm saying. And so based on God's favor and our faithfulness to follow him and what he's doing in the world, we're not prompting him. We're trying to keep up with him. I see, now just humor me here, Philip, okay? I see flourishing institutions, maybe a hundred of them, that claim the name of biblical higher education, and they're led by godly and effective leadership at the board level, the president, the executive team, faculty, staff, donors. I see a groundswell of people saying, count me in. These are my people. I believe in what God is doing in the world, and I have confidence in the institutions that are doing that. Is it the same institutions we have right now? And when I say 100, I meant to say 200 institutions. Is it the same institutions that are alive right now? Wineskins change. We know that. But the ones that are faithful and that can change for new wine, it's going to be a great day. And it's been fun for me and a few others that have years on us to watch an emerging generation of leaders. That And I'm totally excited. and. Uh, grateful to see these men and women of God that are stepping into the roles and we're in the cheering section. I think it's going to be a good day. The second thing is that I think these institutions are going to be distinguished by a dynamic spiritual vitality that's going to result in parents being excited about seeing their students transformed, become solid in their faith, being partners in what their parents have taught them, and ready to go out and make a difference in the world for Christ. That That's going to be a beautiful thing to me. I see over 100,000 students seeking after God, marked by passion to follow God, regardless of the price, in every kind of vocation and in every part of the world. I don't know how long I'll live to see this unfold, but I'm excited to see what God is up to. These yeah, are good days. Yeah. And I, I, I love that, Dave. And part of our conversations ha- have been, you know, as the closer our institutions are to the church, church capital C, the body of Christ, the mission of Christ for this age, the great commission of going and making disciples, the ethos, right, that you described, the closer we are to that ethos, the greater the opportunity is that our Bible colleges, Bible institutes will, will weather the storms. And, I, I you know, Historically, it's very easy for us to look at our current state and 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 say how bad things are. 
but in the process, recognizing the fact that uh, uh, there are a lot of different ages of time that have had difficult times, and the church has endured, the church has worked through, the gospel has continued to reach more and more generations, and the hope is real. We're eternal optimists. We have every reason to be because of who we serve. So we need to wrap up our time, and I just wonder, Dave, if you could share. You have uh, a lot of, you have some young leaders as listeners to this podcast. What's one final word of advice that you would give to those that are in the trenches uh, of leading our institutions? Thank you, Philip. And this is going to be just a cluster, and it's going to reflect what we've talked about in the podcast. It's every leader's responsibility to keep, it's not somebody else's, it's theirs, to keep their own relationship with Christ fresh and vital, and not letting professional success define your identity or worth, but be focused on faithfulness and your calling to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own effort to where you wear yourself out. All of these are facets of this same thing, not your human effort, not your gifts, not your strategy, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the process of this, as you keep your relationship with Christ fresh and vibrant, you stay humble. You keep the glory flowing to God. It's not yourself. It's not your institutional mission and your students or success, all good things, maybe even great things but you understand where the glory comes from and where it goes back. That's the advice I would give. Keep your compass bearings clear and set. Well said. Well said. Well, Dave, I just want to say thank you personally to you for the relationship that we have, the professional working relationship and the friendship that we have. You have certainly influenced my life. And I look across all of biblical higher education and and you have left a, a very positive mark on a number of us. And in order for us to envision that future, it's because we're building off of what people like you have done in the past. You're a fantastic example for all of us who are leading and moving the ball of biblical higher education forward. Thank you, Philip. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Until next time, stay Christ and kingdom focused. Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback, topics, or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhigheredtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.